The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. What is sin? Where does it come from? How do you define it? And where does the conviction of sin come from? You are listening to Grace in Focus. This is the radio broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society in Denton, Texas. So glad you are joining us today for this question and answer discussion. You can find out more about the Grace Evangelical Society by going to our website, faithalone.org. If you like this broadcast, you will also enjoy our daily blogs, which you'll find at that website, faithalone.org. Now with today's discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Philippe Sterling. Well, welcome back. I think you have a question from uh, Austin. Is that right, Philippe? Yes. Uh, let me paraphrase Austin. He deals with the issue of the conviction of sin. Is the conviction of sin basically just a Holy Spirit in accordance with John chapter 16, verse 8, that paragraph right. where that occurs? Or was it the fact that simply as humanity were made in God's image, and that's part of God's image in us, the conviction of sin, or perhaps both? Yeah. I would suggest it's all of the above, but more than that. <laughs> For example, we do know from John sixteen seven through 11 that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so, in my opinion, that means even people who've never heard a word about the Bible, they have already been convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment— and this seems to be borne out by missionaries who go to tribal peoples. So this is a universal ministry of the Holy Spirit. Right. And also there's the verse he's put eternity in their hearts, in their hearts yeah, right? Out of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. yeah. It seems to me that that's part of what it means to be in the image of God, that God has an influence on us. And although the image of God is marred in the fall when Adam and Eve sinned, it was not destroyed. Yes. In fact, Romans, Paul picks that up in Romans 2, verse 15 in particular, talking about the Gentiles who do not have the law of Moses. It says, in they show the work of the law, says, written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So what built in, perhaps as part of the image of God, is that conscience in us, right. that sense of right and wrong, and the Holy Spirit stirs that up. Right. You know, perhaps. Which is also, yeah, that's yeah. one of the ways the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Yeah. But there's also, I often joke about this, but there's more truth to it than the joke, and that is, although I have the Holy Spirit to let me know when I sin, I also have a spouse to let yeah. me know when I sin. Because my wife, if I sin against her, then she will be upset, and I can see it in her countenance. And I feel my conscience is now accusing me, and I can see it in her face, right? Well, absolutely. I know of all those times where I've said something in a tone of voice, I should not have used to my wife, to right. my wife Brenda, and immediately see basically her face droop. Right. And I know I have wounded yes. her, and my heart just sinks at the time. And just in that relationship, that is part of what God uses yes. I think, to convict us, to ultimately, hopefully, you know, frame us to be better. You know, and, and that can you occur know, within the whole family too, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. With parents, parents and children, children can or wound. children to parents, both yes. ways. 
And of course, in the church itself, you know, we have the responsibility of preaching the word, which is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And later on, even in 2 Timothy 4, Paul goes on to say, preach the word. Yeah, reprove, rebuke, rebuke, exhort. We have great patience and diligence. And so that in itself is what God uses for believers, you know, to convict of sin. And there is, Austin, uh, such a thing as church discipline. So if you're in a local church and you are not walking in fellowship with God, part of the role of the elders in that local church are to confront you and to call you back to fellowship Mm -hmm. with God. And so it's not just the Holy Spirit. It's not just that we're in the image of God or just that we have a conscience. It's all of these things, including our spouses and and our children and our parents and our immediate family. Our neighbors even can have a convicting influence. People at church can have, even unbelievers can have a convicting influence. Of course, in Romans 13 about government, they are set up, you know, to reward the righteous and to punish the wicked, but also to deal with that. So human government itself, within the whole framework of dispensationalism, the dispensation of human government, with Noah going forward and everything, but part of what God uses to reveal and to restrain sin. That's good. So God gives us plenty of opportunities to recognize when we've sinned. It's not like it's so hard for us to figure out have I messed up or not. I mean, we don't get it all, of course. I'm not trying to say that. It's, I've often joked if God ever revealed to us all that was wrong with us, we'd have nervous breakdowns. <laughs> but the truth is, God does, week by week, month by month, year by year, reveal more and more about areas of our life that need to come under his control. Remember, Munger wrote a book, what was it called? Yeah, My Heart, Christ's Home. Home. And he booklet. talked about, yeah, a little book. He talked about how, imagine your life is like a series of rooms. Some of those rooms you've already brought under the lordship of Christ because the Lord has convicted you in those areas. But there are some rooms that you haven't even thought about yet. Maybe, you know, it's uh, golfing. And there's nothing wrong with golfing. And it's not like golfing is sin, but if you're golfing 60 hours a week, a lot of what you're doing is getting choked out because you don't have much time left to serve the Lord. And the same thing would be true with a whole lot of non-sinful things. Remember in the parable of four soils, it's called cares, riches, and the pleasures of life. All those things can choke out our effectiveness if we aren't careful. The Grace Evangelical Society has recently started an online seminary, and we're preparing to start our second semester in February. You can study with some of the finest free grace professors and earn an MDiv degree in three years. There is no tuition if you maintain a 3.0 grade point average. It's time now for application and registration. Study the Bible, the biblical languages, and free grace theology with us. Find out more at faithalone.org slash seminary or gesseminary.org. Do you have another question there, Philippe? This is from Shannon. The overall tag is, what is sin? Where did it come from? She states, so far I'm gathering that sin is the only thing in all creation that God did not create. 
And she, of course, refers to the passage in Ezekiel about sin being found in Lucifer's heart. Right. You know? So what are things that God did not create yeah. you know, is, and is sin among them? Well, yeah, I would say there's lots of things God didn't create directly. Certainly, he did not create sin. Lucifer sinned, but God didn't cause him to sin. Adam and Eve sinned, but God did not cause them to sin. We sin, but God does not cause us to sin. But there's also all the ramifications of sin that God didn't create. For example, death. Yes, death, the whole corruption of human nature. And and also the genome. In other words, the whole idea of all of the defects that we have genetically and all of the disabilities that people experience— that wasn't part of God's original creation. Well, this is that was a degeneration, not a matter of creation itself. Now, all of this will be restored on the new earth. On the new earth, we're not going to have people with disabilities. We're not going to have people with genetic defects or anything like that. There will be no death. I'm guessing, I don't know here, but I'm guessing even animals won't die. We'll probably go back to being vegetarians, although I have a good friend, Archer Rutherford, who swears that we're still going to be having steaks in the eternal state. So maybe. I don't know. There's no reference in Revelation 21 to 22 yeah, to just, eating animals. It clearly tells us that the curse has been lifted, already right. done away with, and it's righteousness you know, that right. reigns. So death, disease, how about pollution? How about famine? How about war? All of those things are things God didn't create. Mm-hmm. Those are all things which are the byproduct of first Lucifer's sin and then him getting Adam and Eve to sin. And so as a result of the fallen state in which we live, there are lots of things God didn't create. And I I might mention, by the way, Philippe, I think it should be pretty obvious that God didn't directly create you or me or any of our listeners. He indirectly created all of us, but he created our first parents And then they, in turn, reproduced after their own kind, right? All of the animals reproduced after their own kind. And so, in a sense, of course, we're told in Scripture that we're God's creatures, but it's not a direct creation of you or me. Again, we might use the term secondary means through the union of Adam and Eve and then the birth, eventually, of everyone to them, yeah. the only direct human creation of God was of Adam, you know, from the clay of the earth and Eve right. of the rib of, of Adam. Right. So we shouldn't think that God has directly created everything we see. For example, we live in a beautiful world today, but it's a sad comparison to what life was like before the flood or a sad comparison to what life was like before the fall in the garden, right? Because first there was a major drop-off when God cursed the ground. And so now you've got thorns and thistles, and now man has to work by the sweat of his brow, and women have to have pain in childbirth. But then on top of that, after the flood, life expectancy goes from about 900 years down to about 90 years. It's a tenfold drop-off. Wow, imagine what life was like even after sin— when people were living eight, nine hundred years, because this is part of a cursed world. Right. world that has been groaning now for 6,000 plus years, but awaiting, as Paul says in Romans 8, when those believing are going to be fully glorified. 
Yeah, I really reveal. like that and verse. Reveal. All of creation, creation groans. groans. And it's the Greek word stenazo. And we get that same word in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 4, where he says, We who are in these bodies groan because we're anticipating the redemption of our bodies. And that's why we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And that's why we're looking so forward to being glorified. There's a day coming when there will be no more pain and suffering and we'll never sin again. Wouldn't that be what we all want? It would be great if we could be sinless, and we will in the future. To come back to Shannon's question, you know, yeah. sin is simply something that found its genesis in yes. Satan in his rebellion. Yes. And then in his temptation of Adam and Eve and their disobedience bringing sin into this very good creation of God in Genesis yeah. 1 and 2. Well, thanks so much, Shannon, for your question, and thanks, Philippe, and keep grace in focus. Amen. Be our guest and subscribe to our 48-page magazine, six issues per year, also called Grace in Focus. It's free by emailing your name and snail mail address to ges at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. Maybe you've got a question or comment or feedback. If so, please send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And when you do, please make sure your question is as succinct and clear as possible. That would be a great big help. On our next episode, what about a person who says he believes in Christ yet says he doesn't want to have eternal life. Please join us, and until then, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.